119, and we're looking at the eighth verse, or excuse me, the eighth letter, uh, or the last, oh, I guess that's octet of verses that uh, come from the Hebrew alphabet, and we're on the letter Heth, which is uh, verse starts with 57 and goes through uh, verse 62, or 64, excuse me. Now, you'll see some, uh, sometimes it's spelled Cheth or Heth. Just depends on, I guess, the, uh, um, whoever, or there's different ways of the, the different um, uh, people who um, recorded this. And what am I looking for? The different dialects, okay, I guess even of Hebrew that uh, we have here. But um, it's, again, a, a continual prayer to the Lord. And we see uh, in chapter, or in the previous uh, octet of verses, Zion, we see that um, he talked a great deal about um, the comfort of, in my affliction. And God is, the word has given life to me. And I remembered your uh, judgments and you comforted me. And you gave me songs in the night. And we saw that uh, me, 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 mine. In other words, he made the word of God personal. He made it mine. Uh, your word is my word. He was saying, I, whatever your command is my, whatever you command is, is my will. And so we see that relationship that he's developing with the Lord. And it's continued in Heth as we look at these eight verses. And I love this. This really grabbed me. Every one of these, I say, my well, how did I miss that before? But it seems like with each progression of this going down the um, Hebrew alphabet, and like we said, for those who haven't uh, heard, and as every one of these, uh, if you look at, in your Bible, uh, most uh, versions will have the, the Hebrew letter spelled out for you uh, before the octet of verses. And there's 22 octets, eight verses each, and each one of those octets, every sentence in each one of those octets begins with the corresponding letter. And so Heth begins with uh, what we would say H or whatever. But um, you'll notice on your outline that uh, you know, many times I've to told you that I have trouble with alliteration. That's the idea of every point starts off with the same letter. Well, I kept, I mean, I started dealing with this over the Christmas holidays and just got really blessed by it. I said, I said, I'm going to come up with my own uh, alliteration and not uh, Heth, but P. And I got eight, uh, eight letters P out of that. And um, it's kind of interesting because most of the time, like I tell you, I'll come up with three P's and a Q, but I just are very difficult. But uh, it's, uh, it's fun to just get in and get into the Word and, you know, uh, and see what God can do with it in your life. But notice, and, uh, he begins now. In verse 57, you are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me 
your statutes. And uh, we see then that um, in the previous, we, uh, he said he remembered. He remembered the word. And we see that uh, uh, he talked about um, the God gave him uh, songs in the night in the house of his pilgrimage. That idea of the pilgrimage. And, uh, you know, this old world's not our home. We're just passing through. Uh, we are... A, uh, we are a holy calling. We are pilgrims of the Lord, as, as Peter tells us. But um, be, uh, you are my portion. That really grabbed me um, as I was studying this. Uh, the Levites had no portion. They didn't have a piece of the, line, uh, of the land. They, they didn't have that land inheritance, that, uh, that physical inheritance. Their inheritance, as um, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8 and 9 says, the Lord would be their inheritance. They would be the ones who would serve the Lord. They would be the ones who would prepare and be the closest in the temple and uh, the holy places. Uh, their relationship with the Lord really meant a lot because uh, as later on, one of the prophets says, like priests, like people. And so the priestly tribe was uh, the ones who were to lead in worship and have the privilege and honor of leading. And of course, we are a royal priesthood, so we can intercede for people. We can lead others to Christ. And so we see that be thou my portion. Now, uh, and we, the whole idea then is, uh, Lord, you're everything to me. You know, all I am and everything I hope to be is in your will. I gave you my life. Uh, like Peter, he launched out into the deep when the Lord told him. Uh, Thomas said, uh, my Lord and my God. We see that uh, uh, Isaiah said, uh, here am I, Lord, send me. And so the whole idea of giving our lives, giving our, just, Lord, I've cast it in. I mean, everything I depend on now, I'm depending on you. And we sing that song. We sang that song this morning. Uh, thou art my ever, uh, thou, art, thou my everlasting portion. May more than friend or life to me, all along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee. And that's the struggle of life, is wanting to walk with God, and yet uh, uh, all the distractions and all the rest. We all can't just sit in our temples, even as a pastor. Oh, you're just so holy because you get to, uh, to study all the time, and you get to, to be in church all the time, and you have no problem. No, uh, it's interesting. Uh, any, all of us have our struggles. And one of my big problems is that I don't want to get uh, uh, I don't want to get used to or um, accustomed to being close to God. In other words, to the point where it just becomes plain, it becomes a ritual rather than a reality. And that's true with all. That's true with any relationship. You got to work at it. Uh, I'm married, been married for 43 years, but it sure is fun to keep on working at it and having a good time together and, you know, laughing together and, and developing that relationship because I don't want it to die. I, don't, I mean, I want it to get better and better and I love it whenever, you know, if I hear my wife say somebody gets better and better, but, uh, but it was, you know, there, there again, that's the way it should be. And even in church, I don't want it to become where, um, where we're just, okay, everybody's here. I'm expecting you to be here. And so, okay, you're just one of the regulars. No, there should be, as we, get, as we get closer to one another, not that we become too personal. There's cert certain barriers that we put up in our lives, but uh, we know enough about the characteristics of a person to really care about them. 
And you miss them when they're not here. We've talked about people that have passed on in the past few years and how that we really miss them because they were just part of the woodwork here and yet they were part of our relationship. And so the idea of uh, my portion, Lord, is with you. Me, me, my, mine. I'm, I'm developing it with you, Lord. I'm, uh, you're, I am his and he is mine. And so this is what, uh, what the writer here is. And the, uh, the more I look at it, the more I think it was uh, not David who wrote it. Uh, some uh, commentators, especially the older ones, like we've mentioned before, think that uh, they, they attributed it to David. But we don't see that anywhere. And I think it may have been of the priestly tribe. I think it may have been Asaph or someone else. But it was that longing, that desire to be closer to the Lord. And since God is spirit, we don't get that total fulfillment until we see him face to face. And so there's always a desire to get closer. And yet it's not tangible. So, you know, we, we're always looking for the reality. And so we get our, the reality through answered prayer. We get the answer through when God speaks to us through his word. Um, and so uh, he is our everlasting portion. Lord, I've thrown everything to you. I've launched out into the deep. I'm out here. And that really helps me at this time of the year. Here, the last Wednesday of the year. And this is the time I look back on what God's done in my life. And then I look forward. And there, folks, there's some problems out there next year. I mean, you turn on the radio and uh, these uh, investors are telling you the whole thing's going to crash within the next year. Uh, you listen to uh, the people talk about our foreign policy and China's going to do whatever. And you know, Russia is on the march and uh, Taiwan is under attack and Ukraine is under attack and Israel's under attack. And there's a lot of bad things going on out there. Then our own country's just crime infested and you can't get out and even go to uh, downtown city at night anymore. Uh, you're afraid. And all the rest that we see, and, I, and more and more every time I leave my house, I'm a, uh, my wife and I were coming to church tonight, and there seemed like there was a truck driving by very slowly. And so I turned around and just kind of see what is, but, but th those are the things that we all start wondering about that we, you know, we didn't worry about back years ago. So there's an uneasiness. And yet, Lord, you're my everlasting portion. It doesn't, you know, things can change and I will uh, have problems if I lose some things, relationships especially. But, you know, if somebody steals my car tomorrow, it's going to cause me some consternation. I hope they don't. You understand what I'm saying? There's all kind of, if the stock market crashes next year, then there goes my retirement. What little bit I have. I mean, I could be, and if the dollar falls, all of us are going to be looking around for some food. And we were, we're in unprecedented times. Uh, I don't, I'm not even sure we were going to have another presidential election with all the violence and everything going on. If it looks like uh, uh, the wrong candidate's going to get in, then it looks like there's going to be a lot of paid-for riots. I mean, last uh, election we had people, we find out later on, they were financed by George Soros and all the rest of these. Well, well there's 260-something riots. Well, my, that was just a warm-up to what they can do. And there again, I don't know what's going to go on, and I'm not making any accusations, but it's, there's that unsettledness. And uh, as we said before, we keep hearing that word unsustainable. It can't happen. You have these, how many millions of people of military age have, are coming across the border right now? Over 7 million people this year. That's unreal. From all over the world, 
especially the Middle East, which is scary. How many Hamas people are coming in? And then you hear all these people that are, they hate America. Just when I was going home to pick up Judy, um, somebody went through and he was shooting, he shot a teenage girl because he hates white people. Well, then you have somebody, a white guy that shoots half the town because he's mad at everybody else. And you're going, my, we're falling apart. And so the scariness that we're seeing today. Um, and uh, if I disagree with you, uh, and if you're the wrong persuasion, then I am the, uh, what is it called? The uh, conspiracy theorist, or I'm the whatever phobe you want to call me, or I am the religious zealot or whatever, all the different things. And so we don't even have to argue anymore. We just label. I mean, if you disagree with me, you know, and I got a, a list this long that I can call you. Now I don't, but you know, that's the way I feel about them. You know, they call me about 10 different things. And so but that's where we are today. It's very difficult to talk to people. And yet, Lord, you're my lot. You're my everlasting portion. I've got to keep my mind on who you are. And what the, I'm just a pilgrim going through. And so this whole world's not my home. Christ is my life. That's uh, Colossians 3.1. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. And so you're everything, Lord. You're everything to me. Uh, and we see that... Uh, Mentioned back in Psalm 16:5, O Lord, you are my portion, the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. So that is a Psalm of David. And he is saying, Lord, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a portion of land. But Lord, my cup, that's you. Uh, my cup runneth over. In other words, that you're my capacity. And, uh, and I, Lord, fill my cup. But then you maintain my lot. And those are real estate terms of the portion and lot, lines. Whenever you see the lines, that's property lines. Uh, your lines have gone out throughout the earth. In other words, God puts property lines, you know, on us. Uh, and with that, uh, then he says, Lord, you're my everlasting portion. You're everything. I love Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven besides you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, my everlasting portion. And so that's a, you know, Lord, whatever happens, I've got my portion with you. My, this world's not my home. My treasures are laid up. My portion is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Now we see that, so that's the struggle. Notice the plea. He says uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 58, he says, I entreated, I begged you, that's basically, I begged your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. Now, he entreated, I begged for your favor. That word favor means face. And of course, uh, uh, the, and like the priestly prayer that and back in Numbers, verses six, uh, chapter 6, verse 24 and 25, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That was before they, the 40-year the wandering. That was before their rebellion and, and so forth. And yet this was, uh, this was the plea and this was, a, this was a, a priestly blessing that the Lord gave. And don't we want the Lord's face to shine upon us? I think again, and you've heard it many times, but uh, 
you know, you could tell a lot, especially you, if you remember your parents' face or whatever, you turn around to look at them and you could tell one something from one way or the other, whether they're pleased or happy. And I've told you about Timothy and how that he was a wiggle worm. And there was a guy that came to me and he said, why is your wife mad at me? And I told him, well, I don't think she's mad at you. Why? She's never mentioned anything. And he said, because she's given me the, 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 the sternest faces and everything. I said, no, she's looking at my son up front. You know, he was ignoring you, ignoring her totally. You know, it's one of those things. How that kid ever turned out right, I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> he did. But uh, he's a good kid. But uh, there again, I mean, her face was not shining upon him. Her face was very, her countenance was upon him. And uh, her whole hand was wanting to be upon that kid. But she was trapped up at the piano and all that. And so, um, you know, and then, but you can, but then again, I've seen kids turn around and look at their parents and they're looking to see if they're going to smile or not. We all do that. I want God's smile, don't you? I want to look up to heaven and think that God is smiling at me and not looking down at me with a fire in his eyes because my God is a, is a, is a, is a burning fire. And, so, uh, and it's a fearful thing to fall in his hands. And so uh, I want his eye to be upon me. I want to be the apple of his eye. And so, your Lord, uh, I entreated your face. I want to see your face. There again, uh, many times your children, our children will, will, uh, will do something just to get us to look at them, our attention. And so, Lord, uh, look upon me. Now, with that, we see that, th- that plea. But um, there again, we see many people in the Bible that did that. And uh, turn with me back over to to First Chronicles chapter 4. Uh, many newer people have never seen this, but as you look through First Chronicles, the first eight chapters are the begets, and then also a lot of instructions uh, and the setting up the priesthood and uh, things that David did as far as setting up the temple worship and so forth. And there were over 200 instructions that uh, were given for those feast days and where people were supposed to be and so forth. But right in the middle of all that, and that's one reason it's so good to look for the nuggets in the Bible. Oh, I read through this and I've read everything but the begots. Well, if you miss the begots here, you missed a very good passage. Because in chapter 4, right in the middle of all this, we have a guy named Jabez. And it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brother, and his brother named him Jabez. Now, this again, we see that in the Old Testament, most of the time, if not many, if not most of the times, we see that the mothers named their children, not the men. But we said that the naming of the child or the naming of a person or renaming of a person shows that you have dominion. So this shows that the woman had dominion in the household, even though at times the man could step in and change the name, just like the Lord did with Jacob. And then Jacob did it with Rachel, with, with her son. And of course, his name was son of my sorrows, Benoni. He says, my, you know, I can't have my kid growing up thinking that every time that we even mention his name, it reminds him that he, you know, his mother died in childbirth. And so he named him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Well, here, this uh, means, this Jabez means sorrow. We don't know exactly why, but maybe she was like Rachel. Uh, but uh, but notice what he does. He was uh, his brother called his uh, his mother named called his best saying because I bore him in pain. So must have been some real rough 
a rough childbirth, and Jabez called on God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, my inheritance, my lot, my portion, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So the Lord granted him what he requested. Isn't that great? Right in the middle of all those begots, you have that great nugget of a guy who uh, started off life with a, kind of a negative feeling. I mean, who wants to be named, you know, something, you know, a, sorrow, a sorrowing name. You want a happy name. And of course, that probably marked him. But Lord, really bless me. Lord, help me. You know, the King James says, enlarge my coasts. You know, enlarge my borders. May, may I see things like you see them. Lord, expand my mind, expand my knowledge. Get me out of this rut that I'm in or the way that people think about me. Lord, give me a new life. You know, give me just above all that I ask or think. And so we see throughout the scripture that people hunger for God. They hunger for God's blessing. They hunger to see his face. They hunger to want to see God do something in their lives and bless them. Isn't that what we want? I want God's blessings in 2024. I want to see God bless you. We've mentioned, I'm praying, you know, that God will bless you above all. Lord, expand our coast. Show us what we can do. Don't, Lord, we, sometimes we develop a siege mentality and we're just holding on for dear life. Get us out of that. Get, show us your power. So Lord, and, and, you know, Lord, bless us indeed. Is it wrong to pray? No, I want to be humble and just, no. Uh, that's biblical prayer. Lord, bless me. Now, of course, if I'm asking God to bless me, Lord, get me in, my, in a position where you can bless me. It's not, Lord, now I'm going to go my way and you just make me happy. No, Lord, I want to, whatever it takes, Lord, you're my portion. Then bless me. Whatever it takes, get me in the position where you can pour out your blessings upon me. Not out there in left field where I'm out there in all kinds of sins say, okay, Lord, come on, come on. No, God's not going to do that. No, you are blessed when you're in his will. Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You're taking yourself out of God's will and setting yourself up by everything Satan can throw at you. But when you're under God's umbrella, when you're, where you're in God's will, then that's where God can bless. And that's what this man back in, uh, he, in, uh, in Psalm 119 is doing. Lord, bless me. I need your blessing. I want your blessing. I want the Lord's smile upon me. I want to see your face. And so I like what David uh, Guzik says here. He says, um, while there is no natural right to mercy, natural man receives not the things of God. I don't deserve God's mercy. Uh, there is a spiritual right to mercy for all who ask according to his promise. Why? Because God promised he'd bless those who would that would follow him. All, good, all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. So, Lord, I want the good things. Even in the bad things, I want to see the good things. And even if God blesses me mightily, you know what? I'm going to still have problems in this whole life. And so, Lord, bless me with good things, but then show me your mercy. Show me how you can work through the problems that even come with your blessings. You know, I, I like to pray for whenever young men you know, Pastor, my wife and I are having trouble having kids. I love those type 
Because when you pray, and then they have a kid, and they come to, if you can get them to church, and they're, they're eyes, and they say, pray for me, Pastor. I said, I'm praying for you, but I'm laughing too. You know, because, you know, hey, that's, that's blessings. And yet, blessings, Lord, give me a car. So you have a car, and you have a flat tire. At least you got a car. I complained because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. And so, Lord, thank you for the shoes, and thank you for the feet. And so we see that, Lord, bless me, but give me wisdom. Show that when you do bless me, help me to be able to handle it. Be merciful according to your word. Then in verse 59, we notice my path. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Okay, this is the meditation. I'm planning to do your will, Lord. I'm planning to do what you want me to do. I seek your wisdom. And so, Lord, I'm going to do what Proverbs 4.26 says, ponder the path of, my, path of your feet and let your ways be established. So, Lord, in 2024, I plan to do your will. Now show me or help me to get into your word, and I'm planning to do your will. There are certain, situa- certain besetting sins in my life. There are certain challenges I have that I've seen get me down in the past. But, Lord, I'm planning on victory. I want to see what you can do in my life. I'm going to ponder the path of my feet. I'm not going to get discouraged. And when I do get discouraged, I know what you can do in the past or what you've done in the past. You can even do more in the future because I'm an experienced veteran now as a Christian. And so I I want to see it get better and better in relationships. Now, the world might get worse and worse, but, oh, I want that relationship to get better and better. It's like uh, anything else in life. Uh, The problems can either drive you closer together in relationships or farther apart. Uh, How many times, my wife and I, we've gone through some really difficult times at times. And uh, there have been times when I had no idea. I mean, I would just, what am I going to do? I got a wife and four kids and I don't have a job. And I'm in between churches and nobody's calling. And I'm out of money. What do I do? And so, I mean, those are scary times. And then you got four kids saying, feed me, feed me. You're like a t- Timothy. <laughs> that was something that poor old Nancy, she was laughed about. Uh, what can I get for you, Timothy? Just feed me, feed me. So whenever he was at her house. But, you know, uh, that was, uh, you know, just, but the Lord always blessed. I can look back on it. Was it easy? Absolutely not. There were times that uh, I would go to work at four o'clock in the morning or uh, 2.30 in the morning and not get off to six at night and go home with kids crying and everything else and try to get some sleep. And I, there were a couple of years there that I was in a blur with three different jobs. But uh, God, but I see that God can bless. And um, there again, and I praise God that uh, that drove my wife and I closer together. And it drove our kids closer together, you know, or closer to us. And yet, you know, there again, were there problems? Yes. Were there failures? Yes. But also, there were great victories. And so we see that um, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to do your testimonies. What happens if the bottom drops out of the economy next year? What happens if we have one of those cyber attacks and all of a sudden everybody's looking around for food? I don't know. Other than the fact that I've got a God in heaven. And I'm planning on hanging on to him. I'm planning on hanging on to him. I'm planning on living for him.
My face is set. You know, now, I like to say that. We all say it, but, you know, does, so the pastor, you're going to do it? I'm scared to death. No, I'm not. But, you know, I'm not afraid. But there again, I'm planning for the future. And yes, there's fears out there. But perfect love overcomes fear. So, Lord, uh, you know, I've thought about my ways and I've turned my feet. I want to be in the center of your will, whatever happens, because I want your face to shine upon me during this time. And then in verse, in chapter, in verse 60, we see my priority. And she says, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. I didn't hem all around and say I'd do it later. Um, the word there, delay, is the same word that, that uh, we have back in Genesis chapter 16, where Lot lingered in Sodom. When, they, when the angels were telling him to get out of there, and he lingered in Sodom. And that's the idea of delaying, uh, putting it off. But no, Lord, I, do, I want to be ready to do your will. Uh, well, that's the biggest problem we have. I'll do it later. Or, you know, one of these days I'm going to be more spiritual. One of these days I'm going to tithe. One of these days I'm going to be faithful, you know, to church or whatever. One of these days I'm really going to have a great prayer life. Uh, no, let's just do it. You know, someone said, just do it. And do it now. And so uh, we have our priorities. And uh, in the Old Testament, and we're even in the New Testament, um, a servant, especially if they raised a servant, they were just trained to do whatever their master said. And there was no delay, especially if they loved their master. And uh, we've got a very loving master. And if we can just learn to do what he tells us to do instantly when he tells us to do it. And then the next problem, the next thing is the, the, uh, in verse 61, he says, the cords of the wicked have bound me, um, but I have not forgotten your law. Now, what's the big problem there? People. I mean, why would we say three things, three problems in life? People, play, uh, people um, circumstances, and things. And uh, you know, those are the big problems in life. The people are, are probably the biggest. But... Uh, there's a wicked, pe wicked people out there. They flatter me at times. They set me up just to chop me down. They threaten me. They, they persuade me. They do all kinds of things to entice me. Uh, not all wicked people, I mean, not everyone who's wicked does that. We all have, should have the art of persuasion. But people, and, but I'm tied to people. I fear people at times. I hate to see what can, you know, when I say fear people, I, I'm wary of people. And we got bosses, we got uh, friends, we got relatives that coerce us, or we're wondering what to say to them. I was in a situation today where I really wanted to witness to a guy. And when I started witnessing to him, it was just, you know, like, uh, but there again, okay, Lord, I'll back up and I'll try it again. But there again, um, but then I've got people that would love to destroy me. And you do too. If not personally, they want to do it as a class of people or whatever else. There are people out there that hate us as Christians. We are now, the, we are now becoming terrorists in our society. We are, I mean, it's just amazing how the government is turning against us as a church. You realize that uh, um, in certain states now that if you don't, what was it? What state is it? I think it's California 
where you, if you own a business and you're selling toys to kids, if you don't have those transgender uh, in there, they'll find you. Folks, it's like we're going to force you to be immoral. You can't uh, legislate morality, but obviously you can legislate immorality. And we're seeing that today. What are they going to do to the church? If you don't accept these perversions into your church, then we're going to start punishing you. And they'll do it financially, if not other ways. And so what do you do there? Uh, Lord, I'm going to... You know, so I've got the cords of the wicked. I'm still bound by this earth. But Lord, I'm going to keep your law. Notice there again, he's planning. He says um, that um, I do not delay to your, to the cords of the wicked uh, have bound me but I have not forgotten your law. I'm not going to forget your law in all this. There's a right way and wrong way to do things. I think of certain people that have gotten upset, and I've mentioned this before, but it really bothers me that there are certain Christians who have a big spat. Maybe they've worked for some Christian organization or they're part of an organization, but then they get mad at people and leave. Okay, I could understand that. I've done that myself. I mean, not mad, but uh, I realized I couldn't stay there. But then they turn around and they'll go to anybody that will listen to them to destroy those people. And I've seen that several times. There's a couple of websites now that they're just looking for anybody who wants to cut down a Christian organization. And I was listening to one because I knew the person faintly. Um, and um, But they were on there and they were all upset with an organization that I have kind of withdrawn from a little bit but boy they were and I was thinking oh my this is I mean it's bad enough but then they started talking and um, and it's obviously I mean I won't get into the discussion too much other than the fact that they were obviously they were on a website they were talking to people who follow the perversions of this age and they were even talking about uh, this one guy said uh, that uh, when he goes home to his husband I'm going whoa I mean, they would go that far to destroy somebody they're mad at in a church or in a Christian organization. Folks, I might get upset with you, but I hope I'll never do that to you. And I hope you'll never do it to me. I mean, I'll do anything. I'll go to anybody that'll listen to me and I'm going to destroy that person. I mean, the devil's out there and he's ready for you. Come right on in, man. We'll, we'll listen to you and we'll weep with you. We'll tell you how, what a victim you are. We'll, no, God's my portion and yes, I've been hurt, but I'm not going to go to the devil's crowd to rectify the situation. And so we see the cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. There again, we see, as we saw in the former section, at midnight, I'll arise to give thanks to you. So here we see his praise. What do you do when you wake up in the middle of the night? You start worrying? Or do you give your, do you really, does your mind turn to God? You really start thinking about him. It's a good time to pray instead of counting sheep. And I don't, I, you know, I've never met anybody to count sheep. Most of us don't even, we've never been around sheep. I wouldn't even know what they look. I mean, the ones I've been around pretty dirty and scraggly. But uh, there again, you know, Mary had a little lamb, but I've never seen a little lamb. I don't think whatever. But uh, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you. There again, what's wrong with praising the Lord at night? And what's wrong with uh, humming a few bars? Of course, if, you, if your spouse is next to you, that's not a good thing to do, but at least silently. Um, thinking about the Lord and psalms, songs to him. Um, 
And we see that this is what he did, just like he had done earlier in uh, Zion or in the, uh, the former octet of verses, where he uh, praised the Lord. And of course, uh, there's that song I, I love to sing. I know I shall see in his beauty the king and whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and what? Giveth me songs in the night. And some of the greatest songs that really come to your mind, and that's the reason we want to keep singing them and singing the right ones and getting the doctrine into your, at least your subconscious, so that the Holy Spirit can take it and pull it up from your file and give you at least a phrase or two. And then what will happen with me, I can't get the song out of my mind and that phrase will drive me crazy until I can put it all together. So I've got to go to the end book or whatever. And then that becomes one of my favorite songs. And there again, this is one of my favorite songs, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It, Redeemed by the, blood of the, uh, by the Blood of the Lamb. I sing for I cannot be silent. You know, so there again, uh, again, songs in the night. Um, but there again, it's my life. I got to plan that because I wake up at night and I'm scared. I'm not scared. I don't want to use that word. But uh, you know, I ponder. And all of a sudden, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen What's going to happen to Israel? What's going to happen with my church? You know, what's going to happen with so-and-so? You know, uh, is, uh, is a, a, a sweet little girl up there going to start dating some old guy that I won't like? You know, I can think of all kinds of things that uh, I could think about, you know, think on. Uh, and there again, uh, I won't get too deep in that. She might throw something at me, but <laughs> and she and I deserve it, so you can throw it back at me. But uh, there again, but you know, you worry about your people, and as a mother, that's what you're born to do is worry for your kids, right? So, uh, so Lord, I'm at midnight. I'm going to praise you, and I know that they are in your hands. And then we see the next uh, his pals. I am a companion of all who fear you, and of those who keep your precepts, and so. Uh, here we have, for lack of a better word, and that begins with P, pals. Or you might want to put your people, or my people. Um, and there again, First John 3.14 says, We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. Who, who are your pals? Who are your friends? And I want to be a companion with those who love the Lord. Birds of a feather flock together. And it always worries me about some of the people who want to be following the Lord, but all their friends don't. Now, you can't help with your relatives and, and even people you work with, but what type of relationships are you developing with your friends? But he's a friend of all those. And um, I like what uh, Charles Bridges, who was a Puritan preacher, said, if then we are ashamed to confess ourselves Christians, if, excuse me, if we are not ashamed to confess ourselves Christians, let us not shrink from walking in fellowship with Christians, even if they should exhibit some repulsive features of character. They bear the image of him whom we profess to love. Now, what happens is many times if we listen to the world, they'll take somebody that you really expect and respect, and they will almost make you ashamed that you even know them. Uh, and so because they're going to cut them down. And so all of a sudden, what do I do here? But he said, I'm going to be a companion. Now, I like what uh, Martin Luther said. He said, Lord, deliver me from my enemies and from my friends. In other words, my friends can really embarrass me at times. 
but they are your people. And so it's this church where, you know, we can love each other, but there are certain things that can embarrass other people. If, in a, you know, whatever. But, you know, but the one thing we want to see is that we love one another. We are not perfect. And so we love people in, in spite of who they are. So we see pals. But then, then the last is perspective. And here is all important. The earth is full of your mercy. What do we look at? The world is full of troubles. You know, I see all the dangers and everything else around. But the earth is, oh Lord, your, the earth, oh Lord, is full of your mercy. I like back in Psalm 33, 4, it says, he talks about God, loves the righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And we saw that we know that he created all the heavens and earth and he saw that it was good. And good is God's, uh, is one of his basic attributes. Remember the rich young ruler? A good master. Uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord looked at him and he said, why do you call me good? Seeing there's only one good in heaven. And so he was asking the man, you're calling me good. And you know, with your training, that goodness is God. Goodness is everything about God. And of course, even the Lord showed Moses the, the glory of just of his back part of his garment, but he showed his, his goodness. And so, Lord, um, your earth is full of your goodness. Help me to see it rather than the problems. Let me see what you can do. Uh, heaven above and brighter blue, earth around and deeper green, something eyes have, uh, something uh, Christless eyes have never seen. Something, excuse me, something lives in every hue that Christless eyes have never seen. And so, Lord, help me to see your goodness. Help me to see. I like to do little things. Uh, I'll take an apple next time. Now, there are certain apples, I think delicious do it more than others. But take an apple and cut it sideways, not down the core, but cut it sideways across the core. What do you see in the middle of that? What do you see? Has anybody ever done it? It's a star. Isn't it great? Star of wonder, star of light. Just all the little things that are, all the hidden little gems that are out there. Um, you know, what, do, what do we see in nature? And the, the beauty in, of what God has made. This, what do you see in a sunset? Do you see the archery of God? What about sunrise? Do you see the hope of God? You know, what do you see in the middle of this winter? Hey, we were talking about today. Uh, well, the days are getting longer. I mean, we, we're two days into winter time, and so the days are getting longer. It's going to get colder, but at least the, the days are get, not getting shorter anymore. But what do we see in that? <coughs> hope springs eternal, you know, whatever. The hope, my hope is in the Lord. It's going to get brighter. But my uh, service with the Lord is too, <coughs> or my relationship with the Lord is too. Excuse me. So um, the Lord is full of, you know, full of his goodness. It's full of his mercy. Uh, and also, holy, holy, holy um, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that's what Isaiah saw when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The whole earth. The earth was overshadowed by God's glory. 
So Lord, let me see your glory rather than the problems of life. And with that, I like what, uh, what um, another a Dutch commentator said. He said, the thought expressed in this verse is also a rare gem because wherever one looks, evidences of God's steadfast love are, are discernible. Such a loving Lord must have given statutes to the children of men that are in, in every sense most valuable and delightful. The psalmist begs the Lord to grant him tr the true understanding of what he has revealed in his merciful ways. Such revelation is a precious treasure. Lord, there again, the whys. You know, Lord, why are you doing this? I want to see your acts, and that's, uh, you know, uh, that's one thing, but I want to see your whys. Uh, the, the acts, I see your whats, but I want to see your whys. Why are you doing this? And as we said, God counsels by his commands. Everything that God counsel, counsels us to do is good because God is good. And, the, and God is holy, so if he's good, he's got to be absolutely holy with, with no opportunity to be bad or ungood. And so whatever God tells us to do, whether it's not to lie, not to cheat, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to, oh man, I look at the Bible and it's just full of rules. No, these are God's counsel to show us how to ponder the path of our lives and to walk in a way that will bring fulfillment and joy and prosperity. Back to Psalm verse one, and his delight is in the law of the word, the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall, what? Prosper. So I want to know what God wants me to do and not do. Oh Lord, bless me indeed. Lord. Lord, you're my portion. Oh, God, be real to me. Amen? Good stuff, isn't it? I mean, I just, uh, uh, I really got overjoyed just studying this this past week. I just, uh, Christmas time, um, my wife and I didn't have kids around. And so I just, it was fun just to be with the Lord.